Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Benedicta, and I'm feeling busy in a good way. And I'm Benedict. Today is February 7th. This is episode number 169, and I'm feeling joyful. Joyful? That's not... You, you joyful, don't, yeah. You don't use that, that feeling that often. What is making I, you... I checked the feelings wheel and uh, decided I'm feeling joyful today. Yeah. All for one, we're trying this, this fun experiment of live streaming this <laughs> recording session, which might or might not work out at all. Uh, but the other thing is, um, the sun's out, the sky is blue, and I'm just super happy that it's a nice weather for a change. And I know some people complain about podcast hosts talking about the weather um, to they get do. the conversation started, but... Um, I'm genuinely excited about the weather today, so <laughs> bear with me. I mean, as a Northern European, like this is this is important stuff. Like if the sun is out, or especially not, in it's, winter, it's a game right? changer. It's a game changer. Um, I've been biking all around town today, and um, I wouldn't say it's great weather, but I had so much fun biking on snow, snow, because I'm in the center of Oslo, and we don't really have any snow. And then I was picking up this snowsuit for um, Lillian that I bought used. And it was like way up, up, like, I wouldn't say my, the hills, the hills of Oslo. Um, and there was so much snow there. So I was like biking like and trying to <laughs> not like, fall down. So that's why I stopped and had a little bit of a bit of a relaxation at a coffee place um, right before we were streaming. So then I had to jump on my bike and I was really hoping there wasn't that much ice going um, to get home because otherwise I wouldn't have been way late for this recording. But it's always good to get out and feel the weather, whatever it is. Yeah, totally. I had to I had to go downtown earlier today um, for an appointment on the way back. I took the long walk home from uh, from the station uh, just to enjoy the weather and uh, the sunlight. And it's pretty cold; it's like minus two, something like that. But with the sun, it's so much nicer. I feel we should, you know, we should do uh, do an episode where we focus more on that because I saw that Justin Jackson, uh, co-founder of Transistor, again was talking about how they got a co-working space downtown and he gets to walk back and forth every day and how important that has been for his mental health. And I felt similar when I started my contracting gig last week where I have to go downtown to the harbor of Oslo and I just like... Yes, I came home happier <laughs> because I got to bike down there. I got to bike up. I got to lunch with people. I got to, you know, discuss, have some fun, check out their roof terrace and all of those things that has nothing to do with work, really. But it just kind of makes makes everything more joyful. Um, yeah. And it's easier to forget that when you work on your own project on your own remotely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I visited, um, I was uh, in downtown Frankfurt for a meetup and it was the first meetup in like years. And at first I was like, ah, whatever meetups, I don't, I don't really care. Like what, like it's just a waste of time, but turned out it wasn't, it was a lot of fun just meeting people and talking talking ruby and uh, checking out a fancy uh, rooftop rooftop terrace as well and, i mean rooftop uh, <laughs> terraces it's a thing <laughs> <laughs> totally um 
So yeah, I I kind of miss that, but also just having a good work setup at home also has its perks. Like it's also quite nice to not to not have to commute somewhere. But I guess I have to make it more of a habit to to actually go out for a walk every day. Um, and I used to do that last winter and last spring more regularly. But I always used to do it in my in my lunch break more or less and. That doesn't really work anymore because our like front end developer, he starts his work usually when, when I would usually go to my lunch break, <laughs> um, and uh, usually we have some like need some syncing at least on Mondays. And I was thinking earlier today that maybe maybe I should do it like this, where the first thing I do after getting breakfast is just get outside and go for a walk, uh, no matter what, and then start my day working on stuff instead of trying to cram it in between and then get it like messed up by stuff that's happening or being too focused to actually take a break. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> trying that happens to from time to time as well. That's what I'm trying to do with the yoga. Like I realize if I get it done as soon as I get up or as soon as Lillian is kind of off to school, then it gets done. Otherwise I'm like, oh, I can do it in, yeah. you know, in a break. And suddenly I forget to take breaks as well. And it, it doesn't happen. The problem here, though, it's so dark. So you don't want to really want to go out in the morning. But now it's getting right. it's getting lighter, though. But, yeah. yeah. But see, now we spend like, I don't know, 10 minutes talking about the weather <laughs> and getting out of the house. But um, important stuff. Important stuff. Um, for sure. For, for sure. sure. Um, so I, you know, just to get, jump right in. Um Twitter is starting to charge for their their API usage come Thursday. Not that we have any information about what the pricing will be or what it entails, but it's going to happen in two days because we're recording on a Tuesday. So I'll be live streaming my reaction to the pricing on Thursday's um, <laughs> pirate stream. Uh, hopefully there nice. is that's some, fun. yeah, that's going to be fun. Hopefully there's going to be some, some information by then. Personally, I don't really mind paying if it's like, if it's within, I would say like, if it's below 50 bucks, like I can pay a little bit every month to like get proper access. Maybe even we'll get some extended limits. Uh, cause we've been hitting rate limits with the Twitter API all the time. Um, and I'm talking about this, you know, concerning our, our little tool pruner follows, and I've gotten a lot of concerned messages from people. It's like, oh, what you know, what will this mean for Pioneer Follows? And you know, and or like, what will this mean for your startup? And that's mostly from journalists, though. But I'm like, it's not a startup. Like, this is a side side <laughs> project. I, you know, I would never build a product that I thought was going to sustain me. Like money wise, I wouldn't build something that is that connected to Twitter because I know they can do whatever they want. So the way we monetize yeah. Pruner Follows is that we sold it as a sponsored project to Seda, who paid us to build it and kind of share our process and also share our experience with their tool working on a real world project. So we monetize it completely differently than by trying to make it kind of pay for itself. We have thought about, you know, monetizing or like charging users a little bit to, um, you know, as a future thing or as an exercising in um, exploring again, like how do we best, what would a good like payment model be? And it would create content for us again, like content we 
could write about subscription and Stripe and stuff like that, but I never imagined it to like become our our like bread of yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, oh, it's a tough call to make. What what really where the platform risk really struck me was a couple of weeks ago when they when Twitter pulled the plug on all the third party um, Twitter clients and um, where they basically wiped out a whole category of um, mobile apps with one decision one night without even telling people. Um, and in, in, I mean, I guess all of the companies kind of survived, but they, they basically lost their primary revenue stream, uh, over a weekend, which, yep. uh, which is horrible. Um, so platform risk is definitely a thing. I think, um, yeah, cause I, I saw a tweet from Michelle Hansen, who used to be the co-host of, um, so social, social software, social Software social. So, software yeah. social. I think they're on a break. Um, and it was like, don't build your uh, house on somebody else's lawn. And then I clicked it and there's a full, there's a thread. So she's been saying this since I think the first one is 2017. Um, and I don't remember exactly which platform it was, but, you know, Facebook wiped out a whole category of apps when they changed their IP API um, rules. And then Amazon even will... If you do really well on Amazon selling physical products, they will just make it as a generic brand Amazon product because they know all of, you know, they know all the data. They know what sells and who yeah. buys it and for how much. So <laughs> they can then just look at the data and be like, oh, this is a product we could make fairly easy. And then they'll just make it and promote themselves in, in search on Amazon. And your product is just gone from search um because yeah. they they own they really own they own that lawn or that i would say it's not even a lawn they own that country um <laughs> or empire uh planet <laughs> planet <laughs> and then there's also um i've also known that you know if you do a shopify plugin if you do a trello power up um all of these ways they're it, it's a way to make a product and it's a valid way to make a product, but you have to be mindful that the rules might change. And so your business plan kind of has to take that into account. Um, and I think it's a little weird when people, you know, I get that you get mad because right now Twitter is giving us a week. Um, and as you said, the other one, they were just like pulling the plug but I'm not surprised. No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, so it's a good way to kind of get started building products. But if you want to like live off your product for ever and ever, then. Yeah, I guess it's a good starting point. But like one of the first things you do is like, you should probably should do is like, look elsewhere and try to diversify or like reduce the platform risk. And I, I guess it's, it depends a little bit on like what platform you're building on and stuff like that. But in the end, uh, you never know, right? They, they, they can all change the rules or change limits or just cut you off and you'll never, you'll never know. Like, you, well, hopefully, you know, ahead of time because they tell you and are nice about it, but as we, 
just saw a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So, yeah. And when I Google, because Prettier Follows was in TechCrunch and I was going to Google or I was like going to TechCrunch to see if it it was published. And I I searched for Prettier Follows and there was actually another product that was mentioned. Um, I and think from like 2017, something like that, that did a lot of the same things that Prettier Follows does. And it got shut down because of violating the, the Twitter API rules. Um, so what they did was right. that like you could have a whole category of people you follow and then you could batch unfollow them. And that was against the rules that the user will have to like select. And they, and I think they made it work with having a default unselected, but then you could do select all. And that was enough to kind of be within the rules, but then Twitter kept kind of blocking them in different places. And in the end, they, they, they realized they couldn't build a business on top of this API or these right, types of yeah. features. Yeah, makes sense. What I also think is um, interesting is I think platform risk is also a thing with all the dependencies you rely on um, to build your business, to run your business. And for example, with user list, um, we're not specifically building on any one platform, but of course, like we heavily rely on a couple of things. For example, the, the email service provider we're using to, to actually send the emails. Um, we are kind of at, uh, at mercy with their decision and their, their rules and limits and stuff like that. And, um, one thing we did early on was just be super careful that we don't build it too strong connection of the like our product with their APIs and depend too heavily on their stuff. Um, so in theory, we can it's still independent enough that we can move elsewhere with uh, without much effort or without a lot of effort, specifically um, effort from our customers. So we can migrate providers without our customers doing anything. And that's always been one of the things I, I had in mind while while picking platforms or while while building the stuff that let's not assume all of them stay around forever for whatever reason. Um, so I think it's always a thing uh, when you build on the internet, um, especially especially these days when we rely on so many providers uh, to do stuff for us, where we're not hosting our own servers in our basement anymore. Um, it's becoming a little bit difficult or uh, potentially a problem if you don't think about it. This is a story of all my side projects. Like the only <laughs> reason <laughs> they've ended up being shut down is because the the services that they are built on top of are not do not exist anymore. And right, I kind of put them to the side. But as long as if they would still run, they would still run because the like the it didn't cost that much to keep it running, which is, I guess is why all right. of the services end up not existing anymore because they don't charge <laughs> yeah, enough. There might be something. Might be something there. Um, I do though have, I have some project running on Netlify that I haven't built in like seven years, I think <laughs> um, that are still, that still just like get served and are running, which is kind of fun that they're, you know, mm-hmm. I don't do, it's like they don't do anything. <laughs> they just keep on going. Um, if I was going to try and build them again, I'm pretty sure 
yeah. things, things would break. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that um, Arvid Kahl, Khan, Khan, is that his name? Arvid Kahl or Arvid? Kahl. Yeah. He, he, in his book, he wrote about platform risk and, and how you might, you know, the first version, maybe you're pretty connected to them, but then pretty fast that you should create a little bit of a, your own interface towards some of these services so that you are ready to migrate to another service when that time comes. However, though, it seems like we're all pretty heavily dependent on Stripe. Like if Stripe changes the rules tomorrow, how easy would it be for userless to change payment provider? That's a good question. Um, it will definitely be painful. I, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, we'd probably have to ask people to re-enter their payment details, but I think we could, in theory, move elsewhere. But yeah, you're right. The ties to Stripe are pretty, <laughs> pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> and we love yeah. Stripe because they were you know they were the little guys. They're not the little guys anymore. <laughs> they are becoming not Amazon, anymore, no. you know, they not they're not fully Amazon, but they're getting pretty big and yeah, they they're can, pretty close. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty close and they can they can pull the plug on you pretty easily um and without getting yeah. through to support because I guess that's one of the big issues here. It's like I can't like I haven't even tried, but like, I can't get to talk about, talk to Twitter. Like, there's no way I, I can get through and like, ask them what's up, what's happening. Like, what should I do? The same thing. The last times I've been trying to talk to like, would need anything from Stripe. You're not like getting through to, to proper, you know, proper support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And the sad thing is that it, 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 it keeps happening. Right. Uh, um, I, I, I am starting to read from more people who got locked out of their Stripe account or well, mm -hmm. not necessarily locked out of their Stripe account, but where Stripe is refusing to do the business with them or for them anymore. And that's, yeah, that's tough. Should we just leave it at that? Yeah, it's I tough. guess. <laughs> it's tough, <laughs> but I think it's like, tough. it's tough. And I also, but I don't know, in some way it's, it's harder. In some way it's much easier to be a little provider these days like you can make your own SaaS, and there are tools in place to make it go faster and you can do it alone but also you end up being at the mercy of other other companies um yeah and even with pow like i got locked out like the site got locked out by chrome or some virus software or somebody trickled through the internet making flagging my site as a dangerous site and suddenly nobody was allowed to access it without me doing anything illegal it was just like a preemptive i think i realized it was like a virus software or like one of these ai provide mm -hmm. like it was an ai that flagged it as potentially malicious and then that kind of trickled through the whole internet and made it so that uh, chrome and explore and most or most of the browsers would show like a big huge red warning and and you would have to be like, I'm certain this is a safe site to get in. And then that ended up giving me strikes on YouTube. And I think even you strikes on YouTube because we had referenced uh, or somebody else at least mentioned because if it you wasn't can, me, because you know, yeah. if I had links from my description, of course, to POW <laughs> in my videos. Right. So then those got community strikes because they were referencing or like sending people to that site. 
And I ended mm-hmm. up getting out of it by like, you know, flagging everywhere that, you know, this is not dangerous and it's me and hello, 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 and getting other people to um mark it as safe. But it just shows that if I for some if I was making a competitor to somebody lodge, like it would be it seems like it could be quite easy to get somebody just kind of taken off the internet anyway. Yeah. Which yeah. Kind of it's like, so easy to to run into these issues and then, then yeah, we're basically, you're the small guy fighting with the Goliath and uh, you're at mercy of whatever they decide to do. Right. Yeah. Don't make enemies is what we're saying. <laughs> well, it is, yeah. And hope for the best, I guess. <laughs> Anything else up? Um, anything else? Let me think. Um, yeah, so um, we we launched a new block redesign uh, last week. So after figuring out how to get our static site generator to work the way I want it to be and like kind of monkey patching it to behave the way I want it to be, the rest of the work was super easy. And uh, we have a new block up, um, the block design up. After new um, article design up, we even built like one of those fancy um, table of content things that show the progress while you're reading it and stuff like that. Um, it was just fun to build, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's proud of the new design and, and just enjoys it. And um, yeah, so that was the big project of last week. Um, then again, I'm also shopping around for a new email provider for. <laughs> reasons i just kind of alluded to um our current provider is fine i guess but um our email volume is increasing uh month over month and we are running into more into more limits with our current provider um they of course have like rate limits on the api and stuff like that to protect themselves from spammy customers but yeah, we're running into those uh, more often these days. So I'm looking for either like either upgrading them, like upgrading to 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 bigger plans and stuff like that over there. But at this moment, we are at the biggest self serve plan already. So, um, oh, you right don't want to go over uh, to the enterprise plan? Yeah, that's a big question. Like we should either go over to the enterprise plan over there. Or what I'm also doing is like looking at other providers and and jumping on demos and and sales calls with other providers, which um, might be better suited. And we're talking to one that's kind of interesting, um, but again, I feel like it's my first time of a, a of of an enterprise sales experience where we had a sales call last week or a demo call last week where there was no demo, but just like a lot of questions of what we need and explaining what's going on. And then we have another call this week to actually do the demo. And then we probably have a third call to actually talk about pricing. And I don't know, like, it feels like (laughs) it's pretty involved. And I'm like, just tell me the price and give me the (laughs) API docs. (laughs) You're talking to a developer here. You're not talking to another enterprise person who wants to sit in meetings I, and discuss I, I just want to I just want to get this going and see if this works or not um so I don't know let's see uh so far things are looking really good um and I'm excited about the future set but um we see I, I keep everyone posted um so that's that and then the last exciting thing 
I want to mention this week is I will be speaking at a conference this year, and I am going to be at the Rails SaaS conference in Athens, Greece, um, at the beginning of June, and we'll be talking about probably. I mean, it's not entirely decided yet, but probably about um, the reporting engine we're building these days and uh, the challenges that come with that. Um, and I'm super excited. For one, because it's going to be a great conference. I'm sure about that. It's going to be an exciting topic. But most importantly, my co-founder will be there as well, also giving a talk. And it will be the first time we meet in four years, something like that. Last time we met was like October 2019. So it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, That's pretty cool. That's it from my side. Maybe I should just book a trip to Athens. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> not, <laughs> that in, not that interested in rails, but uh, it's it's a cool city. So, and there there's probably going to be more cool people in town. But yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but like, I think tickets are on sale for the conference, and it's not that expensive. I think it starts at two forty nine per ticket. Um, so it's actually pretty cheap for a conference. Yeah, that's pretty affordable. Yeah, I guess it's because if it's the Rails SaaS conference, well, there are some large SaaS, of course. But if you want, like, you know, the people running their own businesses, you can't only have enterprise pricing. I guess. Yeah. I feel like, but then again, these... a microconf ticket is like. Oh yeah, that's true. It's like double or triple the price of that, that and true. people still come. So yeah. That is who knows? I mean, who knows? I just feel like some developer conferences, it's like, it's, yeah, they're priced because there's a, there's an employer with a lot of money right. paying. Right. I guess, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's anchored more towards like a, a regular Ruby conference because those are usually a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, where it's like super community based, or like community organized, mm -hmm. and like, <laughs> not for profit in a way yeah. um so if you compare it to that then i think it's a, it's a reasonable price but yeah if you compare it like a businessy microconf type conference or even like an enterprisey developer conference it's super mm -hmm. cheap <laughs> yeah 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 i guess i guess it all depends on who you compare the the pricing to it's like that price anchoring right It depends on yeah, what you're yeah, comparing it exactly. to, if it's if it's cheap or not or expensive or not. So on my side, um yeah, I started that contracting work last week and it's it looks like I'd be working on a little app within a very big app that they call like each feature an app. Um and it seems like I'll be working on the spending and budgeting app of this bank. So I don't know yet what I'm allowed to say or not, but it looks to looks <laughs> it seems like they have a very open culture. So I'm going to be there two days this week as well, and there's going to be workshops uh, tomorrow. So I'll be asking how much I can share because it's definitely an kind of an application in itself. So it would fit well under the you know building public um, umbrella. Uh, you know, I'll build a product in right. public. I'll just won't make money off of the product, but I'll make money off of making it. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's really cool. Like, I think it will fit me very well because it's more, I mean, it's definitely, there's there's a designer and there's going to be another developer and there's a product owner and stuff like that. But it seems like it's a very collaborative culture. And so there would be more of 
of product development. Like it's not only going to be ready made Jira tickets that are super specific and just asking me mm. to like do that one thing and just do not ask questions. Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, type type situation. So I think I'll have some some possibilities to actually um, make some contributions. Uh, on how it's going to be, which is really cool because this is, you know, yeah. it's it's my it's my bank. So. <laughs> yeah. So Projects, I'm going if... to be using it because it's my bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. But I guess it's it's a lot like projects like that are a lot more fun when you're actually contributing and when your opinions are kind of valued and you're not just a code monkey typing in the characters in the editor to make it work like someone else imagined it to work and you're like this doesn't make any sense this is just super weird and or like this implementation is way more complicated if we only took like or made this one change it would be so much easier yeah so yeah i'm glad it's it's not one of those projects <laughs> but then also in the way like i was looking forward to that because i was just going to go into work and not think just like Oh right! You know, yeah. pick a task, just like type in the editor, and then head on home, and then think about my own project. But also, I know that that wouldn't have been fun for a very long time. Like that would have been fun for True. for a limited amount of time. So um, yeah, yeah, I think this fits me quite well. And it so because then it becomes like one of my projects. It just kind of it's got a different setup but it's it's like one of the projects i'm working on and i do enjoy having several projects to work on um instead of just working on one so it's kind of yeah it's all coming together also i think there's going to be some good content coming out of this if i'm allowed to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be cool that, that, yeah i mean it's a difference when it's like oh so who's using your product like oh, i don't know a couple of people on the internet or like the norwegian people which is basically <laughs> all of Norway. <laughs> all of Norway. Uh, I wouldn't say it's all of Norway because it's not governmental, uh, but it is the largest bank. So, right. and they just bought the next largest bank, which was my bank. So now I have to use this bank. Mm, like they're merging. Yeah. Um, so they're going to, again, be the largest bank. Um, and it used to be the only bank, I guess, way back when. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's it. Yeah, that's it from me as well. Yeah. Nothing else to add this week. Other this than fun. don't build your house on somebody else's lawn. Yep, exactly. Well, actually, in Germany, I think, yeah, it would be stupid. Yeah, it would be stupid. Yeah, because then the the one who owns the land owns the house. <laughs> well, see, this is oh oh side oh side note. So my summer cabin is built on somebody else's lawn or land, um, mm. and that was quite common in Norway and or I think all through Scandinavia, where uh, people were allowed to build at least kind of winter cabins and summer cabins. I think also some like year. Yeah, some like permanent resident houses too, but um, and it's called something specific. And you were allowed to build your house on on this land, and then you kind of rent the land, and you pay on a yearly basis. And this right. was yeah. yeah, and this was very common. And there and then there's lots of laws around this, but people like things might change. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, so there's like. I I don't know ex exactly, but like the people that own our land, the, the where the summer house is, they want us to buy the land 
because they don't mm. really want to just like bill us. I think it's like a couple of, you know, a couple of hundred dollars a year. I can't remember exactly. It's like very cheap. Um, so they want us to buy it, but they want us to buy it for like a lot of money. And we're like, we don't want to buy it. Of course. <laughs> and then there's um, and then there and then there's like a lot of rules in place to protect me, the renter, and not the landowner. Mm-hmm. But you know, if governments change, this might change where the rules again right. will favor, not again, but will favor the landowner and not us kind of land renters. So yeah, I have mm-hmm. a house and somebody, well, I didn't even think about that until you said it, but yeah, I have a house and somebody <laughs> else's, like a physical house on somebody else's lawn. And um, yeah, it will be interesting to see where that takes me in the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, we see. At least it's just a summer house and not your permanent residence. Yes. And also, luckily, these things change a lot slower <laughs> Yes, than people who own internet businesses <laughs> like Twitter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that, that was a nice detour. Nice detour. Um, but I guess that's it. I'll, uh, I'll see you around the internet. Yep. See you. Bye.